We have uh, two scriptures for you this morning. First, they're both from the King James Version, by the way. First one is Matthew 6, verse 5 and 7 to 13, and then Luke 11, verses 1 to 4. And uh, it's the Lord's Prayer. What a great thing to, to be looking at. So beginning in Matthew 6, verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask of him. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. And in Luke 11, slightly different version. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray, say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of God. Amen. And if you'd like to just extend your hands as we pray for Mark. Father, we thank you for this precious gift to the body of Christ, not only here in Antalya, but around the world. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have placed in our brother Mark, for all that he is able to share and teach. And we pray, Lord, that as he brings the word now, that you would bless him further with your inspiration with your divine word for us, in Jesus' name. Amen. Bless you. Are we good, Sean? There we Thank you. Well, good morning, everyone. For those of you who are visiting here for the first time, I am not the lead pastor. <laughs> he is uh, on sick leave this morning, uh, Robin Ellis. And uh, for those of you who have not... Uh, 
gotten the update related uh, to Robin's situation. Uh, he was in for eye surgery this week. And so uh, this is uh, what he sent to uh, update us. Uh, I had a follow-up appointment this morning. Everything looks good. I have a suture in one eye that will come out next week. My brain is slowly, okay, I just lost it, <laughs> is slowly catching up with my new eyes. It will take a day or two for my distance vision to improve. Thank you for all your prayers. So we'll see him back in the pulpit uh, again next week. And uh, we may not recognize him without glasses, so you may have to look twice uh, to, to see Robin on that occasion. So all went well, and we're delighted to that. Also, on uh, Thursday night, uh, we are beginning our Asia Minor Lecture Series again here at the Center at 7 o'clock Thursday evening. And our first speaker kicking off the fall program is Anna Entberg, who is here as part of a research fellowship that she was awarded. Uh, Anna pastored in Sweden for many years, and she resigned her church to begin doctoral studies at the University of Lund. And she is working on the book of Colossians, so she'll be sharing some of her research uh, with us on Thursday night. So Jason uh, Borges and I were just up with her to Colossae on Monday, talking with the excavator Barashenier and just seeing the work that's going on there. So we are hopeful for maybe excavation beginning next year. So anyway, so come and meet Anna and ask her all your questions about Colossians that you might have in mind. So the title this morning is The Lord's Prayer, but what are we, his disciples, supposed to be asking for daily? So this is our topic today. So at our first pastoral team meeting, when Robin uh, got back uh, from Canada, he sat down and as he was kind of looking ahead to our services, he said, you know, one of the things I'd like to do is to begin to recite congregationally uh, the Lord's Prayer together and to have each person doing it in their own language. And uh, it sounded like a very good idea. And so we've been doing that now over the past few weeks and we'll do it again this morning, even though uh, 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 Vic just uh, read the two versions uh, to us. And so when Raman said that to me, uh, I decided, well, I better read these again for myself. And as always happens, once I get into texts like this, the Lord starts showing me some new things. And so this is what I want to uh, share with you here this morning and a new dimension, especially from Luke's version of this. So I'm curious to get some feedback uh, from you uh, later on, whether you think I'm on track or not. So which of the three we call the synoptic gospels, because they have a very similar view of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. One of the synoptics does not have the Lord's Prayer at all. Which one is that? Mark, yeah, <laughs> no, that was absent. It was in my A here this morning. So Mark does not have any version of the Lord's Prayer. We won't get into why that maybe is the case. But we saw that the versions in Matthew and in Luke are different, aren't they? So the um, version in Matthew is 57 words, and Luke's version is only uh, 38 words. So roughly about a third less for the Lord's Prayer in uh, the Gospel of Luke. But it's the version in Matthew with this doxology, uh, for thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever, that's added going clear back to 1539 for use in liturgical uh, use in the church in Protestant services. 
And as Vic read, the background for the giving of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew's Gospel is set as a section within the greater Sermon on the Mount there. And it's in response, Jesus is giving this prayer to two situations. One is a Jewish situation he's talking about as he observes the, the Pharisees and others praying publicly, drawing attention to themselves for their vain prayers. And he says, you guys, you're my, my disciples, don't do it that way. Go into a private place. Don't pray. You're not praying to gather attention from people, but rather it's you and the Father alone, and the Father will reward you for doing that. But then he says, look at the pagans, the unbelievers, and how they pray. They pray these long, involved prayers over and over again, trying to get God's ear, but he says, you don't have to do that either. He says, your father knows what you have need of even before you pray. So be succinct, be specific about your prayers. And you don't need to be repeating these over and over again like some kind of a mantra in order to get God's attention. So this is the setting then in the Gospel of Matthew. Now, as we switch over to Luke's Gospel, we see that it's one of the disciples who have asked Jesus for a prayer. Now, we're not told what the prayer, what prayer John the Baptist gave his disciples, only that he had given them one, okay? So they asked Jesus, give us, your disciples, a prayer just like John has done. And then he gives the prayer that we have here. So Jesus gave his prayer, the Lord's Prayer, we know here at least two occasions and maybe more as he taught uh, the people traveling around during his earthly ministry. And so this morning, what I want to focus on is particularly the fourth petition. So typically the church has looked, broken, uh, outlined the Lord's Prayer into seven petitions in Matthew's version. It's the fourth petition, verse three to God and the uh, other four related to human needs and concerns. But in Luke's version, we're looking now at the third petition which is virtually identical between the two versions, which is in Matthew, give us this day our daily bread, or in Luke, give us day by day our daily bread. So this is our, gonna be our focus, this is this particular verse here. And as I was doing some reading, I came across one of the oldest commentaries or discussions about prayer that we have in the church. A very famous father in uh, Alexandria by the name of Origen. In the very early third century, he wrote an extensive discussion about prayer. You can easily find this online, Origen, O-R-I-G-E-N, Origen on prayer. And I'll tell you, it's really enlightening. And that's really the first discussion really we have on the Lord's Prayer in all of Christian literature. So you're reading one of the most brilliant minds that the church has ever produced reflecting on prayer. So I'm gonna be referring to Origen a little bit here this morning. And we're gonna focus on three key words in this verse. Daily, bread, and give, okay? And I'm gonna be switching back and forth as we go uh, through our text here this morning. So let's begin with daily, okay? So we've got a double reference to daily or day by day here in these two verses. And it reflects a figure of speech in English we call a tautology. 
okay? So that you grammar buffs, you know what a tautology is. But for the rest of us, this is defined as the needless repetition of an idea, statement, or word, okay? So why do we have two uses of daily there? That's a tautology. So a simple example in English of a tautology is, for example, the airplane ascended up in the sky. Well, ascended means to go up, so you don't have to put up there. Or the bird descended down to the earth. You don't need to put down because descending means to go down. So a very simple example of tautology. And this tautology is especially evident if we, in Luke's version, if we include daily there. Because the normal translation of the phrase in Luke is daily in every other example in Luke's gospel or in the book of Acts, where it's used 11 times, kathimeran, there. So if we translate that as in every other place, then we have the translation, give us daily our daily bread, <laughs> which really makes clear the tautology there. But here we see very clearly we're talking about an aspect of time. It's a, a very temporal allusion to daily. But is this true now of the second use of daily here in this line? Now complicating the translation and, uh, of this is that the Greek word here, epiousius, is a neologism. That is, it's a new word that has never appeared before in a language. And Origen makes this note very clearly. So he is a Greek speaker from Alexandria, brilliant man, learned in philosophy and literature. And he says, first of all, it should be known that the word epiousia is not found in any Greek writer, whether it's philosophy or in common usage, but seems to have been formed by the evangelists, at least Matthew and Luke, and having given it to the world, concur in using it in its identical form. So if Origen can't figure out the meaning of this word, this becomes challenging for us today in translation, okay? And as we look at different lexicons and dictionaries of the Greek language, we have the suggestion of being daily or day by day as one of the possible translations, and this is what we have coming into our English text, but also a second translation possibly is that's what's necessary for existence or that which is needed for each day. So let's see if we can get a better sense of which of these two meanings might be preferable. So bread, our next word. So the New Testament scholar Earl Ellis suggests that Luke's interpretation here in his version reflects upon the manna of the Christian's wilderness journey. So what a great insight there connecting back to the wilderness account in Exodus chapter 16. And there, of course, we find Israel complaining that they don't have enough food. How are we going to survive on this journey? And so in their complaints now, then God reassures Moses that, we will, that he will miraculously provide bread from heaven to sustain them on their journey. But of course, what's his directions for doing this? They're only going to be given enough for their daily needs. However, on the sixth day, that is before the Sabbath day, when they are to rest, they are to gather a second portion of bread to sustain them for the two days. And so Israel began to see manna and quail being provided by God to sustain them now in their wilderness journey. And this was 
his plan to do this. And at first, uh, the miraculous provision, manna, uh, Moses had to continue to explain to Israel what was actually happening to them. And he reminded them that each household was, a, was only to gather manna according to the number of persons in the household, but also according to each person's food needs and food requirements. So this is very specific directions here. So the following morning, Israel gathered manna according to these instructions given by Moses. Some gathered more, others gathered less. Thus, the people's first episode of collection is described as such. They gathered as much as they needed in verse 16 of Exodus here. And as the collection became routine, the daily process is further summarized as each gathering as much as they needed. This, is you, this phrase is used three times in this particular passage, emphasizing then the, this aspect of gathering as it's fitting to the particular age and gender within the household, because nutritional needs vary for individuals. So in each of these three descriptions I said about gathering manna, the amount to be collected is qualified by a form of the verb katheko, to be suitable or fitting. So they gathered their daily allowance, okay? If this is a, for those of you who are nutritionists, you know this is a common word to use related to food needs of health and nutrition. So I did a little uh, extra research here and went on to a website of the United States Department of Agriculture and what is their recommended uh, uh, nutritional needs. So it, it, it's very clear. Boys between uh, the ages of nine and 13 need 1800 calories. Women uh, need uh, less than that. Uh, let's see, okay. Yeah, girls need 1,600 calories uh, between the ages of nine and 13. Boys need 1,800, females 31 to 50. They need only 1,800 calories. Males need 2,200 calories. Females 50 plus, 1,600 calories. Males 2,000. So uh, this example no way suggests what ancient people would need, but it still shows the difference in needs. So God is recognizing this as he's giving his uh, directions to the children of Israel about meeting their food needs. Recently, I've gotten into reading about economics, which is very unusual for me. That is not my forte. But I read an article about a Christian economist by the name of Herman Daly who has pioneered a whole different new branch of economics that really, I think, is very scriptural, which in, uh, instead of seeing uh, economics being one of continual growth, it's steady state economics, what I think is a much more scriptural view. And I was reading a, a quote by Daly I want to share with you, showing this link and the insight that an economist has on this text. He says, enough is the theme of the story of God's gift of manna to the ancient Hebrews in the wilderness. Food in the form of manna arrived like dew on the grass every morning and was enough for the day. If people tried to gather more than enough and accumulated, it would spoil and go to waste. So God's gift was wrapped up in the condition of enough, sufficiency and sharing, an idea later amplified in the Lord's Prayer Give us this day our daily bread. Not bread for the rest of our lives or excess bread with which to buy whatever luxuries we may covet, 
and enough bread to sustain and enjoy fully the gift of life itself. I mean, that what a fantastic quote. I mean, so here's a Christian man who's devoted his research in the area of economics, particularly uh, observing the disciples now interacting uh, with uh, the Bible here now. And I think it's uh, very relevant uh, to our passage this morning. Now, the next question is, is the bread that's being prayed for here material or spiritual? Okay. So we've suggested now a contextual meaning for daily, meaning more sufficient or, or uh, enough sustenance. How is the petition for the recommended daily allowance then to be understood? Now, the word in Greek is artos, which can literally mean bread. We're going to be having bread here a little bit later as we share the Lord's Supper uh, that uh, as we, is based around this. But by extension, it could also mean food, depending on the context. When you have like three breads, we understand it to be three loaves of bread, like the miracle of the loaves and fishes. But many times, it simply means the food for sustenance. And so the context in the verse is going to uh, tell us whether uh, which is going to be used. So in English versions, it could be either translation for this. So whether artos is translated or bread or food here makes little difference for our interpretation here in the Lord's Prayer, since it suggests Jesus is telling his followers to petition God for the sustenance necessary for each day. Uh, a well-known handbook on prayer today says the daily bread of the Lord's Prayer might be read both in light of John 4.34 and 6.33 and 35. The verses we know well, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And of course, one of the I am sayings, I am the bread of life. And this reflects a comment by Origen who argues, quote, seeing that some suppose that it is meant that we should pray for material bread, their erroneous opinion deserves to be done away with. And the truth about the needful bread set forth in the following manner. And he then cites these very verses from John's gospel where Jesus contrasts earthly and heavenly bread. And he states that while Moses provided manna in the wilderness for the Israelites, Jesus is now the heavenly bread. So his disciples must eat his flesh. As I look at Origen's interpretation, I, I think there's much to be uh, argued for it but it's really a theological reading rather than an exegetical reading taken out of Luke, where we're at here now with his passage. And although the Exodus account of the provision of manna has helped us understand the meaning of epiusian of daily, however, it does not aid us to interpret the meaning of bread or artos in the context now of Luke's version of the prayer. But in another text, this is Matthew 15, 26, bread is used in another sense, I think, that's overlooked in this discussion. Remember the story of the Syrophoenician woman who has a daughter who is uh, demonized. And she comes to Jesus and she asks him that uh, her daughter be released from deliverance. And what does Jesus say to her request? It is not too good to take the bread of the children and toss it to the it's puppies here is really what she's talking to the puppies or the dogs here. 
So this is clearly, he's not, there, there's a, a bit of a, a reference there, but the children's bread, uh, Craig Blomberg, who teaches at Denver Seminary, observes, I think, really uh, well here. He says, the children must then return to uh, refer to Israel and the bread to the blessings of God on the Jews, particularly through Jesus' healing ministry. So I think we see a whole new dimension of bread in Jesus' reply here. So Artos denotes the benefits of the covenant given first to the Jews and now manifested, given to us through Jesus Christ and healings, exorcisms, and miracles, all of these things that are emphasized by Luke in his gospel. So getting some heads looking, okay, where is she going, you know, going with all this? Yeah, I'm thinking it over, thinking it over. I can see those wheels turning, okay. So our next word is give, okay? As we return to Luke, look what follows the Lord's Prayer in Luke's gospel. It's a very well-known parable, the friend at midnight. And what is this friend who arrives late needing? He's needing some bread, some food. And so the man is out of it. He goes to his neighbor, knocking at the door, trying to get some bread for his friend then. And so central to this parable is the request for three loaves of bread made of someone's neighbor at midnight. Obviously, a very inopportune time to bother someone who's already asleep here. Clearly, literal bread is in view since the requester wishes to give food to his late arriving guest. Klein Snodgrass observes, the Lord's prayer and the parable are connected by the request for bread in both. So this is immediately leading on now. But then what happens after that? The parable concludes with Jesus reassuring his disciples that if they ask, seek, and knock, like the man in the parable, they will receive their request. And then he now gives the comparison of a, par of a parent, what they would do when their child comes and asks them for a fish or an egg. Will they be given a, a scorpion or a serpent in reply to the request? And Jesus says, never will a good parent, even though he's evil or fallen, do that to their child. So the word give in give us this day our daily bread is used now seven times in the verses that follow the Lord's Prayer here. In the analogies, I can't give up in the parable and give you anything. Yet because of his persistence, he will rise up and give him as many as he needs. Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. So this emphasis on the word give, 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 give in this chapter in the book of Luke. So it shows that the prayer and these applications are very much connected now in the teaching of Jesus. So to this point in the applications offered by Jesus, material food and bread have been in view. But in the concluding sentence, Jesus delivers a very unusual twist. What does he say? He says, therefore, if you who are evil or fallen know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give 
the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So Jesus now compares the generosity of a parent to convey a spiritual truth. Now the point of his entire teaching about prayer that began in verse 2 in this chapter. Give us this day our necessary or sufficient bread. He's bringing this all to the point of the disciples asking for the Holy Spirit to be given to them. So from Luke's perspective, the answer is not material, like the provision of literal bread or food, or pointing to Christ as origin suggested, but it's a pneumatological one, a big theological word talking about the Holy Spirit. And this is really critical for Luke, but we have more mentions of the Holy Spirit in any of the Gospels in Luke with his emphasis uh, there. And the fact that this emphasis is present in uh, his teaching on the Lord's Prayer is followed in the chapter afterwards. Remember, Jesus is talking about the fact that in the days ahead, you, the disciples, are going to encounter resistance and persecution. And what does he say to the answer to the question, give us this day? He says in verse 11, 13, that his followers are to ask God. Oh, excuse me. I'm getting ahead of myself here. He says, when you go into the synagogues or brought there before rulers and authorities that are counseled not to be anxious because the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what you ought to say. 13 references to the Holy Spirit in the Gospel of Luke, the most in any of the, of the Gospels. So we should not think that it's unusual that Luke uses Jesus' instructions about prayer to teach his disciples how to petition God on a daily basis for the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that was soon to come on them on the day of Pentecost. Now, is there again anything in Luke's gospel that would suggest that this interpretation is valid, this reading? To me, this meaning of bread flute is clarified in the very next chapter as we go forward, beginning with the parable of the rich fool who after a bountiful harvest decided to expand his barns to store his grain. So remember, we had definitely, we had seed and the, with the provision of food. So he thinks that he can live a life of comfort and leisure, but he fails to know that on that very night, his life is going to be required of him. And then Jesus then provided the moral of this parable. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothes. So his emphasis here, it's, it's, spirit, it's uh, spiritual rather than material. And right after this, other analogies follow from nature. The ravens, the lilies, the grass, all divinely fed and clothed without toil or anxiety on their part. And here's Jesus' punchline. Do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world, these are the, the pagans of, of Matthew's version, seek after these things and your father knows that you need them. Instead, Jesus focuses their attention on something else. But seek his kingdom and these things will, these things will be given to you. 
In other words, God knows his people have need of the food and drink necessary to live. So they're to trust God and not be anxious knowing their needs will be provided. Your needs will be provided for your what you uh, have need of. So the focus of their prayer should be rather on matters related to the kingdom, asking for the necessary bread provided by the Spirit to meet the situations of each day. Conclusion, where have we been? Where are we going to with this? So today in the message, we pointed out the difficulty of translating a word in the petition there. The word daily bread, epiusian, what does this mean? Knowing this, though, I don't expect that we're going to abandon the traditional wording of us as they are daily bread. We're going to pray that in just a minute, okay? But rather, my hope is that you are now aware of the fuller dimensions in this alternate translation that I've suggested this morning. Give us our necessary bread daily, or give us this day our allowance of bread that's sufficient, looking back to the issue of the manna. We also learned that Luke's version has a different focus than Matthew's. The first three petitions in Matthew address God, while the other four are related to human needs and concerns. However, while Luke's third petition is almost identical, it addresses God, not human needs. We're to pray that he, the Father give the Holy Spirit. Since our Heavenly Father knows our needs regarding food, drink, and clothing, Jesus wants our prayers to focus not on temporal and material things, but on the spiritual things that are eternal. And only through the Holy Spirit can these be realized. So as a son or daughter in the new covenant, which we're going to be celebrating the renewing of our covenant relationship with Jesus in just a minute, uh, we are eligible to receive the children's bread each day. Hallelujah. Let me repeat that. We're eligible to receive the children's bread each day. And I'm not suggesting that we never again pray for food or money, rent money, or other basic needs of life. However, our prayers are not to center on them as the Gentiles do by praying wordy and lengthy prayers as if God can't, uh, if we just keep badgering him and going after and after, he's some kind of somehow going to answer our prayers. I don't know about you, when I'm out in the morning beginning my day with a cup of coffee and praying and doing some scripture reading, you know, I really don't know what's going to happen in the day ahead of me. It's there. I have little idea what may be ahead. There may be some unforeseen opportunity. There may be an injury or illness. One of these scooters run into me, you know, while I'm walking down the street, you know, <laughs> creeping up, you know. <laughs> You've got to be constantly looking, you know, you know, going on the streets and sidewalks, you know, I'll tell you these days. A phone call or an email may come in. It just, like, totally changes my life, my schedule. I had a conversation with my sister yesterday that just totally changed my program for next August, okay? So we don't know these things. There may be some adversity or difficulty that's unforeseen. Some of you who are single, you might meet your husband or wife that day uh, as you're out and about. I, I mean, you just don't know what's ahead. 
And just as the disciples were told not to be anxious when forced to appear before civil authorities, we too will be supplied the words or actions by the Holy Spirit to deal with any situation. So since I began this, my own personal study into this, it's kind of revolutionized my morning time of prayer by saying a kind of an amplified version of this verse in the Lord's Prayer. Give me the necessary bread supplied by the Holy Spirit that's required for today. Let me repeat that. Give me the necessary bread supplied by the Holy Spirit that's request, required for today. Well, now it's the time in the service. We get to repeat the Lord's Prayer together. Whatever version you know, whatever language you know it in, uh, let's say that all together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. So I hope you got some new thoughts about the Lord's Prayer today, especially the version in Luke. And as we transition now to uh, the Lord's Table, uh, we will be uh, in our uh, closing worship time, we'll be doing a second offering again. We're in the uh, first Sunday of the month. We take a special benevolence offering, but that will become later. So I want to stay in the Gospel of Luke uh, here today as we go to uh, a text uh, to, uh, in Luke chapter 22 uh, related to uh, the, the, the Last Supper in Luke's version. 